Welcome to the podcast of RUF at Boston University. Two points tonight. 
what I want you to remember is you can put it into a sentence. When God's people groan and cry out to him, God hears First point, groaning and crying. God's people groan and cry out to him. Second point, God hears Let's get into Groaning. The people of God called Israel, they were starving. They quite literally had groaning stomachs. They were literally starving because there was famine in the land. But there's this man named Joseph who was a Jewish man. He was a part of the family of Israel, Jacob's father. But he was for some reason in I'll get into that a little bit. Uh, he had this plan to save many people from starvation, from famine. And God had sent him in a dream uh, this, this message that there was going to be a famine where he started saving up grain. No one knew why, but he did. When the time came, uh, before this famine actually occurred, he was able to deliver and rescue not only the people in Egypt, but also his family that showed up. Why did his family show up? What's going on there? Well, um, Joseph ended up in Egypt because his brothers hated him. His brothers hated him so much, you may know the story, they hated him so much they wanted to kill him, but instead they changed their mind last minute. They came across then traveling to Egypt. And they sold him. They sold him into slavery. But he didn't stay a slave. He became second in command Pharaoh. So he was able to save not only the Egyptian people, but his own family. And when his brothers showed up, when his family showed up, they needed to ruin battle on the grief of starvation. He forgave them. And he gave them food. He said that so you meant for evil. God So there's a deep exhale, right? God's promise is being remembered. He's taking care of his people. He's feeding them. Um, but now, this means that all of the Israelites have started to live, to, to make families, and to, uh, to multiply, and to work in the Egyptian land. So much so over the span of generations that they became a threat to the Egyptian king. They became enslaved. So it seems like actually what God meant for good has turned out to be a great evil, right? So they were on great starvation, got brought into Egypt. But what did they find in Egypt? King What's going on here? And it, it, this, this oppression that the Israelites experienced, it increased exponentially over time. It didn't dissipate. And actually, ironically, that as the oppression increased, the more the Israelites multiplied, the more uh, they uh, had babies and were becoming more and more of So it's no accident that these two things were under attack. These two things, work and childhood. Let's go back to Genesis for a second. You may not have read it, that's okay. But in Genesis, God tells Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, do it. Basically, have babies, fill the earth, and work the land. You know, make something. Make the world a better place. But when sin 
descendants of Jesus in the fall. These two things specifically work in childbirth were deeply affected by sin. So, ordinary life. Have you ever wondered why childbirth is so painful? Have you ever wondered why work is so hard? Because of fall. It's become almost ordinary for us. Same stuff, different day. Right? It doesn't, it wasn't always like that. And that's actually not the way it's to be. That's not the way God designed things. Hold up. People of Israel were not only experiencing the same stuff, different day, uh, you know, spoil of work and childbirth, they were enslaved on top of that. Imagine that, the ordinary suffering of just working, having kids, and then the extraordinary suffering of being under back-breaking ways, of having your children have their lives broken. The Apostle Paul writes, the creation groans. So all of this groaning that, that maybe you've already felt as you've received your homework assignment, uh, all of the stuff that's wrong with the world causes us to grow. Maybe audibly, maybe internally. So there's more that we can do than just grow. Cry out. Verses 23 and 25 says that the people of Israel cried out for help and rescue for their suffering. Uh, this is my 10th year of BU, and I've been a pastor uh, or in ministry for a while before that, and I've seen a lot of crying. <laughs> I, I, I do a lot of crying, but a lot of times I'm sitting with students, and, and, and people cry. And, and one of the things I noticed, I actually I love it when people cry. <laughs> We're getting to this is, this is you. But a lot of times when people cry, there's immediately an apology. It's start crying. I think there's a shame that we feel about crying and crying out. Because I think we want to appear that we're strong. And maybe we can hold it together as if having control of your emotions means that you don't cry, right? We, we start to believe that lie. Um, we want to appear as if we're independent. We actually don't need to. We actually don't need to emote another person. Um, and the other thing is that we want to appear as if, uh, you know, it, it doesn't really matter the issue you're facing. Uh, I, I shouldn't care so much. I'm, I'm sorry. Sorry for including this on. But friends, I want you to know that the people of Israel were at a great point. They cried out more and later that God heard them. And I want you to know that you can cry. You can cry to other people. That's the faith you can cry to me. Or you want. But most importantly, you can cry to God. What I'm talking about is not just, not just tears falling from your eyes. I'm talking about praying. Going to God, going to your, your knees or whatever. Maybe you're, you're in the gym and you've got music blaring in your ears. I don't care. Cry out. God, help me. This was the state of Israel. They had no other choice. Out. Imagine you're, you're drowning. I don't just want to imagine that. But imagine you have that last gasp of air. What are you going to do? You're going to cry out because there may be a chance 
someone on the shore, the side of that pool, might hear you, right? It's your last breath, and you're able to cry out. Friends, it's good news. Cry out to God. Verse 24 says, And God heard their groaning. He responded to their crying. Now let's talk about a question that might be odd at this point. Why does God hear us? Why did God hear the Israelites? Why would God hear you? Think about this for a moment. Chapter 1, verse 8 says this. Now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. See, when Joseph was around, the king and Joseph were buddies. It's like, hey, your people are my people. There's good will between anyone who's related to Joseph and descendants of Joseph because of that relationship. The generations and years passed, this king didn't know Joseph. And therefore, it wasn't like he, he didn't just, you know, he didn't care about them. No, it was actually that he was not more than indifferent, he was antagonistic. He wanted to kill them. So in um, at the end of chapter one and two, we see that he wanted to make them go extinct. He commanded that all male children not born to the Hebrew women would have to be drowned in the mountain. It's the deep hatred that he had. He's a man. He's limited. He's limited power. He's a human. But God knew his and knew his God. He's not the king over just one land and one people. He's not limited by anything. He is omnipresent, omnipotent, being all-powerful, and he is the king over all creation and all people. And he has his ears tuned to you. He cares about you. Don't let this pass you by. If you, Christians, we believe, are drafted into the people of Israel, drafted into the people of God by faith Jesus. If that's where you're at tonight, God knows you. God hears you. If you want to be drafted into the people of God, God will hear you. God knit us together in our mother's womb. Not a hair can fall from our scalp without him knowing no pain or suffering that you have experienced, will experience, or are experiencing maybe in this moment right now goes unnoticed by God. He knows you and he sees you. I mentioned I'm a, I'm a dad of two young boys. And, um, there's this phenomenon where your kids cry are just distinguishable. If there's like a sea of babies right now, like, and they're all crying, I could probably, with eyes blindfolded, probably pick out my voice. Why is that? Because in the wee hours of the morning, I heard their cries. <laughs> because I have become attuned to their cries for years. There's no one 
mean, my wife probably more than knows their car. I was with my, my siblings recently on vacation and they have young kids too. And it's funny, like when I hear when I would hear their kids cry, I would, you know, check on them and make sure everything's okay, but I would wait because I knew that's not my kids. But if it was my child, I wouldn't just hear and be like, my boy, <laughs> no, I, I would get off with that. Because there's no one else who's the dad. God knows your crime because you are his child. He knows you better than you know yourself. You know yourself. Every time you cry out, his ears are to He made that voice for you. More than that, he acts like that's my kid. I'm going to help. Where am I getting this? Verse 24. God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and Jacob. God hears their voice. He remembers. He enacts his plan. What is a covenant? A covenant is promise sealed in blood. God made a covenant with this man called Abraham. He is the you know, father Abraham, right? Um, he's the, the, the original, the OG Israel, uh, the OG people of God, right? Um, and God made this promise to him that he would have a land and a nation and that he would be blessed, to be a blessing to all peoples, that there would be prosperity and peace that would come in. And this promise was passed on to every so look what's happening. Here are God's people. They're enslaved. King that they're enslaved to. Trying to distinguish them from the face of the earth. God is not your God. Sends a rescuer. In chapter 2, it talks about a baby. Now this baby was a, was a boy who was born to a woman who said, Okay, okay, King, I hear your rule. And I'm going to follow it. I'm going to put my baby in the Nile River. But he's going to be in a boat. <laughs> he's going to be in a little baby boat, basket, and I'm going to put tar out there so it doesn't, doesn't sink. And I'm going to take care of my baby. But I'm going to put him in the Nile. I'm going to see what happens. Fucking God. And she puts him in the Nile. Sure enough, the daughter of Pharaoh finds him, brings him into her house, into her family, and raises and this man who um, was rescued from life after uh, death once, uh, and there was another time that he was as well, he would grow up to be their deliverer from slavery. And that's what we're going to be studying for the next uh, few weeks. So let's for a moment pause and ask. Okay. They were taken out of slavery, which spoiled them. Um, that's what we have to have a big spoiler. They're taken out of slavery. They're delivered. But oh, the people of God, they've encountered much suffering. Think about history. There's been times when even the people of God have been enslaved. Why was there not an ultimate deliverance? Why is there still suffering and pain for God? For you and me, does God remember his covenant with us? Does his promise of 
supplying us. Well, in the same way that God sent a deliverer and rescuer to the people back in Egypt, He sent us an unlikely rescuer. But this time, He was the only. This time, it was for good. The time of Jesus' birth, there was another king who was also threatened by a baby boy. He declared that any boy under a certain age should die. Jesus was taken by his mother Mary and, uh, and Joseph to Egypt. He was at this time a place of refuge. He escaped death. If he would grow up, he would be crucified on the cross. Three years later, he would rise again from the dead. He would break the bonds. The bonds. The bonds that were given to all people at the beginning, in the garden, when sin enslaved all humanity. When our souls were bound, Jesus would come to break the bonds of sin. Death. I think we sing a song that does that a We sing that tonight. He breaks the bond of sin in death. No one can do that. And God sent his own son to break the bond of the deeper slavery. Slavery that you and I have seen. Slavery of our soul. And friends, we can cry out to him and we can be free. Jesus says that those who the Son sets free are free indeed. The guarantee of Jesus himself you can be free. Cry out to him, of your sin, place your faith in him, and you will be set free. You see, there needs to be one greater than others. There needed to be a rescuer who could rescue us from death. And he has come. What this means is that God is not blind to our suffering. He's not ignorant of what you're going through. He knows you. God is not deaf. He's heard every prayer you've ever prayed. He's heard your throat. He's heard your promises. The rest of Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word that continues to evade, continues to uh, draw us in, and we realize how uh, the people of Israel, their story is also our story. Uh, that because of Jesus, we know freedom. Uh, Lord, we thank you for that. Thank you for uh, his death and his resurrection that breaks the bonds of sin, breaks the bonds of addiction, breaks the bonds of the things that hold us now. Lord, I pray for freedom. Pray for those here. We would find faith in you, that we would uh, cry out to you and know you to be the God, the members of God. Jesus.